0: cool so I'll start with something about how it's already freaking how is it already September (laughs) I don't understand how is it September already it feels like we're just Stuck in a loop of March. I I still think that it's the springtime.
1: I feel like it's the 234th day of March because we just <laughs> like we stopped and and didn't restart again. Um, although leaves are starting slowly to change, I'm I'm starting to notice like little things. Yeah. Um, although you couldn't tell it walking outside today at 80-some degrees. Yeah,
0: I I mean, yesterday I think it was supposed to be, like, 60-something. Like, it was supposed to be in the 60s, like, lows of 60s. And I was like, wow, it's, like, fall. Can't even believe it. I wear jeans. And then I went outside and it was, like, kind of hot, so. Right. Um, but it's crazy. It's already September. I'm back at regular school again. Um, and the election is... Not that far away.
1: Oh, now that's how you can tell in the state of Ohio <laughs> that it is fall, right? Because we're all mm-hmm. starting to get these election ads and election fatigue is a real thing, right? I mean, what, 55 days, 56 days until election yep. day. Uh, yep. Less than then, 30 days to start to vote. It's yeah. it's on. It is on. So.
0: Yeah, early voting starts in less than a month, so... Yep.
1: October yeah. 6th early voting and you know you know that it's an election year because all the crazy begins to come out in yeah. the politics and the state legislature and all kinds of other you know we're we're not here obviously Ohio RCRC is a 501c3 nonprofit so we don't take positions on candidates and we don't take partisan positions, those kind of things. Obviously, we care about issues because, like, you know, repro is amazing. And we mm-hmm. want good reproductive freedom. But I'm, I'm always watching at this time because we're, we're prepping for the two great travesties of election years in Ohio. First off, the election madness, right, which is always uh-huh. just crazy. And then the second wave happens with this thing we call lame duck. Right. Yeah. The lame duck session in the legislature where all the really horrible, disgusting, awful bills that they could not get passed before the election, they come and try to ram down everybody's throats in the last Flip six right weeks of the there. year. Right. Like it's so, so bad. But they always start early. Right. They, they start like introducing these crappy bills, you know, around June, July, um, sometimes mid-August. Let me tell you, we've already got one that I know. I know is going to be just horrible fodder for the lame duck session. Um, Did Did you get a chance to see the Cleveland.com op-ed by medical students about House Bill Four Thirteen? Like Northeast Ohio. Okay, so Northeast Ohio School of Medicine. Uh, students. A couple of students joined with, you know, several of their peers to come out against House Bill 413. And you know it's bad when the medical students are taking yeah. time out of their very, very, very busy schedule. You're, you're a current student right now. You know you ain't got no oh, yeah. time for anybody. And I'm, right? I'm not
0: even in the medical field. I'm just... I'm doing theology stuff. Right,
1: right. So like these people these people have lots of better things to do than to have to write about the legislature and to the legislature. But they took time out of their busy schedule because they wanted to let everybody know how bad, bad, bad this one particular bill is gonna be. And I know, you know, folk folk do not listen to us to like get into the weeds on legislation. But I want you all to know who are listening right now, this legislation is really important to look at because it tells you where people's priorities are. And it tells you how close we are in the state of Ohio to some really, really bad consequences if um, you know certain forces within our state, these kind of forced birth extremists, get their way. Mm-hmm. So House Bill 413... Um, would and I'm I'm just reading from the Cleveland.com um, op-ed that these these wonderful students have put together. Um, I've read the whole bill as well. It's it's a lot more complicated than what um, the distilled version is, but the distilled version is really good to understand. So the bill would require physicians to try to re-implant an ectopic pregnancy, which is actually not a thing like that's that's yeah. not even a procedure an ectopic pregnancy is when um an egg does not you know fully descend in yeah. the reproductive cycle and instead becomes fertilized sometimes within um a fallopian tube or at any point that's not like the typical ordinary everyday place you know for that egg to implant and grow in the womb, right? So yeah. that ectopic and it's pregnancy... it's
0: It is, right? Because you, you end like, up with... Like, if you with... get an ectopic pregnancy, you get you need to get rid of that. <laughs> like, yeah. Because yeah. it could actually... It could kill
1: you. It could, it could burst. You could have sepsis. You could have all kinds of issues. Not to mention, um, you could have a situation in which that ectopic pregnancy ends your ability to have children in the future, right? So, like, mm-hmm. the most pro-life thing to do... To, to use their verbiage, right, is mm-hmm. to make sure that you have the ability to keep creating life in the future, right? Like yeah. that you, you have the ability to make uh, choices about your reproductive health um, after this. So the bill would require physicians to try to re-implant that ectopic pregnancy, which would require I- essentially creating um, a procedure that... Has not it been tested. Exist. It's not evidence based. There's no evidence that you're even able to do that. I mean, there's just there's just it's science fiction, and it's bad science fiction. Um, but this particular bill would require a science fiction procedure to be performed, or and th- this is the alternative: the physician can either perform the science fiction procedure that nobody has any any training on, or you know any idea that could even possibly work. Or they face a charge, a new charge, that's going to be put into the criminal statute called abortion murder. Oh, doesn't that sound great? Abortion murder. Right? Which I think is really interesting for the the anti-choice crowd because they already think abortion is murder, so it's kind of redundant for them. But uh, abortion murder uh, would be this new charge in the state statute that would be punishable with life. In prison <laughs> so we're we're going to jail <laughs> for physicians trying to like
0: for, for, for trying to just make sure that you you know don't die that you can still have children in the future yes, yes. all of that I'm gonna go to jail for it that for life for, for life.
1: life no parole for forever right like Nothing. it even even takes the parole board out that's of insane. Uh, some of it yeah
0: <laughs> that's, so that's and that's, there are people who have done yeah. like i mean i'm not for the 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 um prison system at all but like i'm just saying that the punishment does not fit the crime here like they're yeah i, I mm, this is well very, not,
1: like, not to mention like there is no crime Because literally the physician is just offering medical care to Uh a person who desperately needs it, right? I mean, I I, I love how, you know, this op-ed, again, if you haven't checked it out, check it out at cleveland.com. This fantastic op-ed. And I'm going to totally butcher these fantastic um, medical student names. But Kajal Madan and Rachana Raghuguthi are the third year medical students at Northeast Ohio Medical University who who penned this fantastic op-ed. And I, I just want to read a, a little um, snippet of their response because it speaks to exactly what you said, Kelly, right? Like they they've said, and I quote, as future physicians, we seek to recommend safe treatments and discuss all reasonable options with our patients. We will allow them to make informed decisions about their care based on their values we do not believe we can make these decisions for patients and yes. if we can't we sure do not think lawmakers can Ooh, now, yes. i'm just telling you like like all the snaps for that right yes, I'm, I'm over here sure. snapping like i'm like i'm in uh, in in a, in a good beat poet uh society <laughs> here like those those women have got it because if doctors are being upfront saying, we don't believe we can make these decisions for patients. These these decisions that are based on their values, right? Mm -hmm. And when we talk about faith and values, that's what we're talking about. That each person has values that allow them to make the decisions they need to make for their reproductive health. If your doctor can't make that decision for you, we sure don't need some bureaucrat down in Columbus making that decision.
0: Doctors... You know have personal relationships usually with their with their patients at least in my experience of being with a doctor like my doctor knows me and mm-hmm. knows probably what my values are um and likely could make that decision for me um like based off of my values but the fact that they're saying no i will not make that decision for you right. um and they know like their patients um Really speaks to the fact that like these lawmakers that have no idea what these patients' lives are like or what they would want are trying to make this decision for right. them.
1: Right, and and I think it's really important that we like for me, um, you know my my doctor at Adina Regional Medical Center, I, I I would trust to make a lot of decisions for me, but I'm not gonna like hand that decision making yeah. authority over to that person. Let me tell you. My state representative, I sure don't want making decisions for me, and I sure don't want somebody else's state representative making decisions for me, because I looked at this bill, and I thought, well, you know, this bill's probably put forward by some crackpots, you know, some, some legislators who just weigh out on the fringe, because, you know, in the state of Ohio, we have this thing called gerrymandering, where we just put yep. really, really horrible people in. Into office because they're in such safe seats for their political party that they don't actually have to do any kind of campaigning or work. That it, you know, we we saw what happened with uh, Larry Householder and and all that mess that's still unfolding um, about how corrupt Ohio's political system really is. But I thought maybe, just maybe, this this bill is like it's put forward by two or three crackpots and nobody else is on it. You know, this bill has over twenty co-sponsors in the House of Representatives uh-huh. in the state of Ohio. Now, it is put forward by, by a couple of folk who I I personally believe are crackpots. Um, Candace Keller and Ron Hood, uh, District uh-huh. 53 and District 78 in the Ohio House. I say they're crackpots because I've not heard a lick of sense out of either of those two people when they talk about uh, issues that I care about. Primarily uh, issues of reproductive health and reproductive freedom. Now, uh, Representative Keller, interestingly enough, uh, is uh, so unbeloved by uh, the people in her region that she's actually not coming back to the House next year. Yeah, you she see. lost her primary election. Yeah, so she she decided she didn't want to stay in the House, so she wanted to go over to the Senate because you know uh, some people get too big for their britches, and people decided they really didn't like her. So she's really she's really the most um, most likely. To go off the rails, right in mm-hmm. in this this season, got nothing to lose. She's got nothing to lose uh, in terms of electoral accountability, so she can just absolutely drive her ideological agenda home, regardless of how people feel. But I certainly don't need Candace Keller telling yeah. me or anybody who I love how they ought to use their reproductive freedom and what kind of health decisions they should make. But let me just read down the list real quick here of the co-sponsors. So you got Candace Keller and ron hood those who are listening please listen and if your legislator is one of the co-sponsors on this bill call them and ask them why right um because it's a it's a really good thing for us to understand why our representatives are doing the things they're doing right Mm -hmm. so representatives on this bill are naraj Antani, john becker tom brinkman john cross bill dean timothy Uh, Chris Jordan, Daryl Kirk, Susan Manchester, Rorden McLean, Derek Marin, Phil Plummer, Jenna Powell, Tracy Richardson, Craig Riedel, Mark Romanchuk, Todd Smith, Nino Vitali, and Paul Zeltwanger. Now, some of you know that, you know, that's a, that's a pretty typical list for, for anti-choice things that we would see. But we need to remember that, like, in this moment in the state of Ohio... We are so very close to having a supermajority in the House and the Senate of our state legislature that goes along with these radical people and these radical anti-choice agendas. For a long while, they have been in the vast minority, but they are starting to creep into a majority of that, that House because of the way that it's gerrymandered, and because of the ideological extremism that's that's crept in for the politics, they don't mm-hmm. represent the majority of Ohioans. They certainly don't represent the majority of views on on uh, reproductive health care. But here they are making laws that are forcing medical students to take to the newspaper. <laughs> Just I, I'm saying it's it's getting crazy here in Ohio. Absolutely crazy day by day,
0: and. Like I feel like it it hasn't felt like there's been new bills because we haven't been at the State House, which is again, goes back to the fact that it feels like an eternal march. <laughs> right. uh, but then like because people um, aren't really at the State House anymore, uh, like these kind of things can kind of just like come and go and nobody notices. So we have to be vigilant um, about being aware of what um, our representatives are doing. So is there is there anything else that's going on that we should be aware of?
1: Oh, there's there's so much going on. So for me, the place that I always turn for any kind of information about what's going on at the State House, NARAL Pro Choice Ohio, right? Yes. Has fantastic and I mean fantastic information about everything that's moving or not moving in the Ohio house. Ohio Senate. If you check out ProChoiceOhio.org, our partners over at NARAL give you all the rundown and information. There's a lot of stuff. You know, everything from trying to further restrict um, access to the abortion pill, um, trying to carve out specific exceptions that um, force abortion clinics to not have access to telemedicine. There are just all kinds of little things that turn into big problems for health care and reproductive choice. Um, so, yeah, 413 is kind of the big, ugly, scary Christmas tree that's that's coming down the pike. But there are all kinds of, of little, um, you know, what I call pinprick bills that are just designed to further erode our access in the state of Ohio. There's definitely nothing moving right now that would increase our access to yeah. reproductive health care. Um, also something to watch in the house. There is now a black maternity caucus in the house. Black maternal health caucus, uh, fantastic legislators who are pushing the real questions around why black mothers and their children are suffering negative health disparities in the state of Ohio as compared to their white counterparts, Mm -hmm. um, Great conversation we need to be having, and we need to advance that. Mm -hmm. Um, And what I think is so interesting out of that process is that um, this is kind of the applied, um, you know, second-level class of Black Lives Matter, right? Once you get to the confession of Black Lives Matter, the question is, so what now do we do about it? Well, you know, black maternal health, right? Right we we Mm got to start making sure that people have access to good health care and really, really, really good options for how to raise children that they choose to have. Um, Because that's the reproductive justice lens of this that I I think is so critical. And frankly, we do have people in our our, uh, House and our Senate who get that. Uh, they are not the loudest voices, but they're definitely the most faithful when it comes to advancing those conversations.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think like uh, when, when people think like reproductive choice or reproductive health, um, who like have maybe not been involved with um, repro stuff, they may think like, Oh, it's all about abortions. It's all about um, birth control. But I, it is all about that. And also, (laughs) Um, It's about having the freedom to choose when you want to have children and how you want to have children. And um, also, you know, supporting your your right to, you know, not risk your life and trying to have a child. All of that um, falls under repro. And um, it's not just about abortion.
1: Right.
0: But even if it was like that's that's fine. (laughs) Abortion is like a really important thing. Well, yeah, and
1: I, I think the, the key in that is that, you know, the, the pillars of reproductive justice, the idea that, you know, folk want the ability to, to be able to choose when to have children, to choose how they go about that process, and to parent their children in areas and spaces free of state-sanctioned violence.
0: Mm-hmm. All of that
1: goes together. It is a full package. You cannot say that you want the ability to parent children free of state-sanctioned violence, but you also support abortion bans because abortion bans are state-sanctioned violence on your children. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I trying to communicate with folks. It's like you, you, you do understand that that child you give birth to wants to have reproductive rights as well. Yeah. And the idea that we would give more rights to a fetus than we do to a born child, which is what abortion mm-hmm. bans do, right? Abortion bans say that, you know, a, an in-utero fetus or, you know, a fertilized egg has more rights and a higher priority and ability to exercise those rights in our society than a born person does. Yeah. That's incongruent with my values. That's incongruent with my faith, you know, that's that's the conversation that uh, our mothers of reproductive justice, you know, really mm-hmm. pressed upon our society and are still pressing uh, in mm-hmm. in this day. And you're right; it doesn't it doesn't matter if uh, if abortion is the only issue, even though it's not, uh, it is a key issue, and that's why we say we're pro-abortion because we're yes. pro everybody having their freedom. We're pro everybody yes. having freedom of choice.
0: Um. When you were talking about state-sanctioned violence, um, it made me think of the fact that you said one of the bills was, uh, under, like, criminal justice rather than health care. Oh, and yeah. And the ways that they're, like, trying to, for one, like, sneak this through, um, in, in a different manner, as if it's, like, a matter of, of crime. Um, when it's, that's not what it is at all. They're just trying to find some other way to do it. And also, I think that kind of speaks to, like, their, their mindset around the issue. It's not, it's not caring about the health of the, um, the parent or the child. Um, it's not caring about the, like, the, the ability to, you know, make it through pregnancy. It's not about healthcare at all. It's about, uh, you know, establishing law and order, (laughs) And uh putting more people in the prison system, like that's that's their their um, mindset around this. and I don't know they're yeah. they're really out here showing their real their true colors
1: well and and when I hear that phrase law and order, I always I always think about my grandmother, who you know i I come from from Appalachian union workers, right. And mm-hmm. my grandmother was the spouse of a union railroad laborer for over 50 years, right? He, he granddad worked on the railroad. Grandma used to say, you got to remember, law and order just means somebody else's order gets put in the law, right? Yep. So, like, that's how that, that stuff works. That somebody else's desire for an outcome gets reified in the law. Uh, mm-hmm. Law and order is only law and order, um, in a good way, when it's a just law and a just order. and these yeah. are unjust laws and it's an unjust order. Uh, yeah. so you you start looking at the way that they have developed, particularly uh, you know House bill four thirteen. They decided they didn't want that to go into Health and Human Services uh, as a committee. They did not want that to go into uh, any kind of Child Welfare Education uh, Committee. They wanted that in criminal justice because they want to talk about abortion and stigmatize people as criminals. Oh, Uh abortion murder. It's criminal. Even though we're sitting here, you know, after 1973... Uh, talking about abortion being a constitutional right that is constitutionally yeah. guaranteed there're still people who want to pretend that it's okay to declare something that is a constitutional right as a crime i mean it, we're we're really in like alice in wonderland through the looking glass territory here because Truly. people people just don't want to let the Constitution be the Constitution, right? And we hear all these people who say, oh, I'm an originalist and I believe in you know law and order. Well, if you believed in law and order, you'd support abortion rights because abortion rights are constitutional. But you don't believe in <laughs> law and order. You believe in getting your own way and shoving your own stuff on other people. And that's the whole point behind fighting for reproductive freedom is that we don't believe that it's okay to force your values on other people. We're yeah. not here like I'm not out here like evangelizing abortions, right? I'm not mm-hmm. on the street corner yelling at people, you know, yelling it at uh you know, folk who walk by who look like they're pregnant, you know. I'm not I'm not <laughs> out here like evangelizing a, a DNC procedure, right? Like no. I'm, I'm just saying people need to have the right to make the decisions that are best for their bodies. But we yeah. have people on the other end of the spectrum who literally are out harassing people in front of our clinics every single day, telling them that they're mm-hmm. immoral, they're murderers, they're violent. And it all comes from that same stigma that's being advanced by these idiot legislators who don't mm-hmm. know their head from a hole in the ground, who can't get mm-hmm. elected unless they scare people on things like abortion, gay rights, and, you know, other uh, red herrings, and who don't really have anything productive to offer to society in aside from criminalizing doctors. Can you imagine what would happen if this law were passed in the state of Ohio and OBGYNs could pick any state in the union to practice in, but they knew that if they practiced in Ohio and they happened to give somebody state-regulated, means-tested, functional scientifically proven healthcare they could go to jail for life they're why, not going to
0: come here why would you come like, to ohio then you know? all of the people who need um reproductive health care are not going to be able to get it in ohio anymore which means that there's going to be more people who like will die from like ectopic pregnancies or um just other um like i'm just thinking of like um my friends who have, like, really severe um, menstrual cycles and things like that. So there, there are going to be people who are suffering from that because OBGYNs won't want to be here um, because they could be arrested for life. Um, and so it's really just like a basically a death sentence for anyone who needs reproductive health care um, to, to have that kind of law pass.
1: Absolutely. And I just have to lift up, Kelly. We don't have to think about what that would be like in the future because we've already seen it over the last two decades. Every Mm -hmm. time there is a restrictive abortion measure passed in the state of Ohio, we continue to see OBGYNs leave the state We continue to see practice doctors and educational specialists tell us that it's harder and harder to attract people to practice their specialties in this region. And costs go up because when you have fewer doctors and the same number of people, if not more, need care, that's supply and demand, right? Like, that's the market forces that some of these politicians like to say, oh, we want to let the market forces work it out. No, the market forces are currently producing really bad health outcomes for people in our state because people at the legislative level are producing really bad legislation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that for me, like, it's like, oh, me, oh, my, oh, it's Ohio in election season, right? Like, this is what we do to ourselves every single cycle. Right, so for me, people have got to get out and vote. We're not here. We're not here to tell you uh, who to vote for or you know what political uh, perspectives to support when you go to the polls. But we're definitely here to tell you to vote. Right, early voting starts on the sixth of October. You can walk into your local uh, board of elections on the sixth of October and cast a ballot right there. From the 6th of October all the way up to uh, about two days before the election, which would be about November 1st or 2nd, because the election happens on the 3rd. You can Mm -hmm. also request an absentee ballot today. You go to your local Board of Elections website, request an absentee ballot, you can get an absentee ballot sent to you as soon as possible.
0: Also, many of you may have received a uh, letter in the mail that's uh, addressed from Frank Rose. It's I, I promise you I've opened it. It is a um application for your absentee ballot. Um I know it looks like you're uh, supporting Frank LaRose, which like here or there, I don't know. If you if you wanna do that, that's fine. But um uh just know that like by opening it it's not anything for any political party. It's just your absentee ballot. And it has an envelope in there because I like, know I can never find those. Um, it doesn't have its stamp, unfortunately, but, um, it- your absentee ballot mostly is right there for you, um, and all you have to do is find a stamp, and otherwise it's right there, so, um, you can feel free to open that. Also, I saw this, like, uh, um, this- I got this thing in the mail, it had Trump all over it, really didn't- it. <laughs> anyway, it was, um- <clears throat> disguised as an advertisement for trump but it was also a uh, absentee ballot application so (laughs) uh, just be aware that um you know you don't you don't have to support the people sending who are sending you mail but just like maybe open it because it might be an absentee ballot and that's just like another step that you don't have to take because it's right there for you and then you just send it in and um you can you can request an absentee ballot like up until a few days before right
1: absolutely uh, but I I would really encourage people request an absentee ballot as soon as possible if you plan to vote by absentee. Um, mm-hmm. You know the the mailing that came from Frank LaRose and the mailings that have come from you know some other candidates <clears throat> who <clears throat> I I will I will not speak <laughs> uh, that name but uh, uh. Th- those mailings <laughs> that have come out are applications for absentee ballots. So if you get an absentee ballot application. You have to fill that absentee ballot application out, mail it back in, and then they will send you your absentee ballot and you Mm -hmm. can vote your absentee ballot and mail it back in. So it is a two part process, but you can stay at home with the pandemic raging, you know, as it is, uh, you know, in in, uh, the public, you can stay at home, not have to go into the board of elections, not have to go uh, to the polls on election day and vote. Absentee. You do not need an excuse to vote absentee. You only need to say, I want an absentee ballot. They'll mail one to your house. You mail it back. I'd encourage you to do that as soon as possible because with mail delays and other issues, you don't want to get caught in a situation where your absentee ballot is somehow delayed. You can, however, this year for the first time ever in every county, all 88 counties, there is a system at your local board of elections website for you to track the status of your absentee ballot application. And you can track whether you have requested one, whether one has been mailed to you, and whether or not it has been received back in the office. So you can know every step of the way what's going on with your vote if you vote absentee. If you can't vote absentee or you don't want to vote absentee, you can also go in and vote in person anytime after October 6th. And if you wait until Election Day, some of us who are volunteering as poll workers, I'm going to be a poll worker this year, some of us will be working the polls, and we will be trying to provide the absolute safest environment we possibly can for those who have to vote on Election Day. But it's so, so important that you get out and vote. You take your friends to vote with you. You call up every person you have ever known and let them know they need to vote. If you are not yet registered to vote, you have until October 5th to do that. So get on that, folks only a few weeks away if you have people in your life who you love but you kind of suspect they might not vote right like you got your cousin ricky who you know complains about things but doesn't actually do much of anything you might have some young people in your life who you know this might be the first uh opportunity that they're eligible to vote contact them call them say have you registered to vote yet um, help them look up their registration, state registration uh, at Secretary of State Frank LaRose's website. The Iowa Secretary it's, uh, of State.
0: What vote. Ohio. Gov yep. is the is the link for that, and you can easily check your um, registration, and you can track your absentee ballot if you've already put in your application. Um, yeah, so everything is there. Just make sure that you're going out to vote. Um, because it's super important, especially this year. But, um, yeah, that's about all the time we have for today. Um, it's been great talking with you, Terry. And, yeah, if you want to uh, find more of our podcast stuff, it's at our website, ohiorcrc.org slash podcast. Um, and you can find extended versions of our podcast. You can listen to other podcasts um, besides this one. And you can find all our other stuff at OhioRCRC.org.
1: And we promise, promise, promise that election year will not last forever in Ohio. We will get through this, everybody. We promise.
0: (laughs) Yeah. We will make it. Woo! Have a good day.
1: Take it easy, y'all.